ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Jesse Straham, thank you for coming on ATV Talk. I'm Leonard Duncan. How are you? Oh, I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me, Leonard. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, you have quite the story, and I've been reading a little bit about you, and I want to get into what makes you you and some of the things that you're accomplishing for people that are survivors of accidents or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I feel this injury is, it's a wild thing. You know, um, a lot of people ask me, have you always been a wheelchair user? In which the answer is no. I uh, was paralyzed in an accident when I was 22 years old. So I went most of my life walking and doing things, quote unquote, the normal way. And now I, I have this new normal that I feel like I've adapted to pretty quick and I'm just, I'm thriving. That's awesome. Uh, if, if you don't mind, can we get into your, your, your training schedule and, and how you uh, get your body, keep your body in shape and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I think the most important, one of the most important tools is my diet. Uh, a lot of people focus on just that physical diet of what we eat, but what about our mental diet? I pay really close attention to the content that I take in. Um, I've started unfollowing people that, you know, I like in real life, but on social media, they're a different person or something that is negative or post things that I don't really align with as far as morals and values. And I've tried to really limit the amount of negativity I see and the amount of just hatred and bad, I call it bad content that I see online and really that I take in the people I surround myself with what I say to myself, how I treat others. When you pay very close attention to these things, it completely improves your life because I literally just take in good and I put out good and I take in more good. And it just continues the snowball effect of just a beautiful life. That's pretty awesome. I, I, I don't use the same theory, but I understand exactly what you're talking about. The, the better human you are, and the better human you are to people, the better they're going to be back. You really do get back what you put out. And people don't realize how powerful we truly are as human beings to create our own destiny, to create our own realization. Uh, I went 22 years walking, 22 years going to the bathroom on my own, which I think is the hardest thing of a spinal cord injury that's often overlooked. Uh, when you get paralyzed, you often use the ability to use the bathroom on your own. So you have to do what's called digital stimulation and sometimes use suppositories and things like that to poop, uh, to go pee. I have what's called a neurogenic bladder. And so it spasms on its own and I'll pee myself out of nowhere. And it's just so inconsistent. I'm on three different bladder spasm meds. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And having to use catheters, I mean, it, it's a big lifestyle change, not just from the visible aspect of not being able to walk again, but from the physical things and how it affects you mentally. And if you do not hone in on your mental health and be a mental 
warrior to outside circumstances that come at you, it's this life can be really hard because you're constantly faced with adversity and challenge. You know, you have everyday life's challenges, but then I also have the challenge of my disability on top of it. You know, I can't just hop out of bed, hurry up and get dressed. Most of the time I've I've got to go calf. I've got to change a pull up. I've to shower. It takes me an hour Uh, during COVID. You know, I've been able to stay home So I've been able to really see how much time of my day is spent solely being paralyzed from transferring, going to the bathroom, picking things up, the way that I have to get upstairs, everything I have to do. And it takes about an hour and a half of my day on days I don't shower to be paralyzed. On a day that I shower, it could take upwards to two to two and a half hours a day being paralyzed, simply addressing my disability. Wow. That's quite the information there. <laughs> wow. Um, so you, you've, how old are you now? I'm 28. So you've been there for a little while. It'll be six years in January. Yeah. And you raced ATVs, motorcycles? So I raced the GNCC series from 2005 until 2009 on quads. I made a short comeback in 2013, 14 on an ATV. And then I, was going to make the switch to dirt bikes. And I started racing local hair scrambles on a KTM 200. And then I got paralyzed in January and life kind of changed. I spent three months in the hospital. So I was in a motorcycle accident. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I was in a motorcycle accident. Woman made a U-turn into the bike I was on. The driver of the bike went through the woman's back window and broke his leg. I went over the woman's SUV and I broke my back in two places. My ribs punctured my lungs, nicking my spinal cord. I have a traumatic brain injury and I coded twice and was resuscitated. So that's two chances that I could still not be here. And it was, it was really amazing to me because I was saved the day before my accident. I had went to a friend's funeral and while the pastor was speaking, I can't even explain it. It was just this calmness that washed over me. And I just, I felt like everything was going to be okay. And then the next day I'm in this life-changing accident, almost die. I saw my grandmother. She told me it wasn't my time and that I couldn't stay with her and she couldn't stay with me. And I had things to do and people to get back to. And I've really, I've held on to the, I've had things to do and people to get back to. I've held on to that. And that's really what's carried me and dr- given me my drive through this injury to be able to face it and then use my obstacle as an opportunity. That's incredible. So in your information that I was reading about you, you do some uh, motivational speaking uh, and you also have a foundation. How do those things play into your everyday world and uh, do you travel or do you do mostly of your speaking online? Uh, before COVID, I feel like that's such a, <laughs> in the last six months, pre-COVID, I was traveling uh, once a week at least. I was speaking a lot in it was amazing, such an adrenaline rush. But thanks to COVID, it's given me time to stay home and really work on the nonprofit and figure out where I would like to go with that. And so we Wheel With Me Foundation is dedicated to serving the independence of all wheelchair users, just helping them figure it out, whether it's addiction, domestic abuse, uh, just the transition to being a wheelchair user. Most people that get MS uh, MS is a progressive disease. And so they don't get the training one day they need a wheelchair and they have no idea how to use it. And so there's really missing pieces for these individuals to make them successful, independent members of community. And so that's our ultimate goal is to get as many people off of the system and back to living 
an independent full life. This injury, it's, it's given me so much more than it's taken away that I'm at a place that I would never undo the experience because it's just, it's literally, it's amazing. Just yesterday I was crying because I'm just so grateful for every opportunity it's put in my life. I get to run a nonprofit. I get to help people. It's strengthened my faith. I'm like you said, I'm a motivational speaker, which has given me the ability to travel the country, meet other wheelchair users and make friends all across this country. Uh, I started acting at the beginning of this year. And so I've now had two roles, one in a series that should come out next month on Amazon. It's called Date Me. It's about a girl in a wheelchair. I actually play the bad guy, which is super cool because it's out of character for me. <laughs> uh, and then I, I have another role. I just got the script uh, two days ago for a independent film called Save Rosemary 3. I'll be in the third one. And it's normalizing disability. So I'm super excited about that as well. And it's just, again, it's just given me so much opportunity. I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, I'm continuing to get stronger. And it's all because of the perspective that my obstacles given me. So if I can help people gain that perspective before life's adversity hits them, you know, it opens up so many doors. That's, that's pretty incredible. You know, I, I'm happy to hear that, that it's, you're moving forward at such a rapid pace. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a little racing. Oh, okay. Uh, you do some UTV stuff. And yeah, I did. I'd like, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. So super, super lucky that I did race as long as I did before my injury. So John Pellin came in and he's like, hey, uh, I really would love to see you like back in a side-by-side. What if we could get one set up with hand controls? I'm literally still in the hospital when he comes at me with this. And I'm like, absolutely, yes. And so uh, that I think, you know, Polaris and this whole opportunity that I had to race the side-by-sides really helped me in finding my normal within my injury because I went right back to something that I did pre-injury. And so it really gave me this normalization. I got to race the GNCC series for three years uh, before, you know, my life had taken different turns and I was going a different direction. And so we end up separating, but I still have my side by side. I'm very fortunate that while racing, I was connected with great companies. So SSI decals, they put the decals on my chair. I have custom graphics on my wheelchair, which is super cool. Uh, and then of course they still put the graphics on my ACE, do stuff for my nonprofit. Kenda tires. I, I can't thank them enough. They put tires on my car, on my side by side, on my wheelchair. They give me tires to give away to the community. Uh, they gave me a discount code for the community. It's wheel with me 25 for 25% off wheelchair tires. Uh, so it's really cool to see these companies that were with me previous to my injury, you know, that were around previous to my injury and come into the disabled community and start supporting the entire community. It's been so cool to see Kenda tires grow. Uh, they, they sponsored Doug Henry, which watching him race is probably the coolest thing too. Um, They sponsor another wheelchair user that does nothing to do with off-road. He's just solely a wheelchair user. And so it's cool to see wheelchair users getting the same sponsorship that we would have in racing. And it's cool to see them cross over. That's pretty awesome. What, uh, what was your striving or your driving force when you got back into the UTV? How um, was, was it difficult for you or, or did you just, jump right back in and get the feel for it? Um, I really, I jumped right back in and got the feel for it. Honestly, if I knew 
then what I know now, as far as how much fitness and taking care of your body and eating well, and really the mental side of things, if I had the mindset I have now, when I raced, I feel like I would have definitely performed a lot better. I would have loved to get back in a car. Um, it's just, it's not, I'm working on my education right now and that's kind of my number one priority. So it's just not in the cards, but I, I would love to try and get back in and really give it a hundred, 110% because I will be honest. I mean, those first, gosh, I've been injured. It'll be six years in January. And I want to say the first three and a half, four years, (laughs) there was a mental struggle. It was hard. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know which way was up, which way was down. And I was literally, I was kind of just existing through each day, trying to figure out what my life was going to look like. You know, it's, your life, your entire life gets flipped upside down and and the world kind of expects you to go back to normal. And that instant, it's like, all right, you're good. Move forward from it, you know? And that's not, that's not the way that it really works. It's, you need time to process. You need time to figure you out and figure out what's going to make you happy again. And that's, you know, that's through any of life's adversities, whether it be divorce, loss of a loved one, homelessness, you know, we all have our struggles they just look a little different and you need to give your times yourself time to process that struggle and figure out how you're going to move forward from it and what your next direction is going to be. So I would, I would love to get back in the car, but I do, I do think that getting back into GNCC racing and just being a part of the GNCC family. Um, I don't know if you've ever, you know, any, any racing communities actually like this, that series is a family. When I got injured, the GNCC community came together. They helped me raise money. Uh, Amy McConnell from XC Photos, she she started to go fund me for me. She raised money through bracelets. And it it truly, that bond and having that family support, that's what got me through it. And I just, I, I can't thank the GNCC family enough for playing such a monumental role during that transition in my life. And, you know, like I said, I had to take my separate ways. UTVs are no longer with GNCC anyways, uh, but I, I would love to do a Baja. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's good that you put it out. You never, you never know what can happen. Um, Chris Blaze <laughs> on the West Coast out here is also a wheelchair user, and he was uh, a really established motorcycle rider. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this weekend he did really well in a best in the desert race. So, oh, it's sick. Yeah, he's a, it's he's so a, sick. he is a very talented person. Um, maybe I'll reach out to them and see if I can get you guys connected. And, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's like, um, Jesse, Jesse Nelson, watching him race and watching him come back has been super cool too. Exactly. I wanted to ask another question. You talked to me about your emotional diet. Um, but you didn't get into the physicality of the things that you do to get your body stronger. I'd like you to go a little more in depth for me because obviously your training methods and my training methods are not going to be the same. Uh, actually they're, they're pretty similar. So I, oh gosh, I've been working, I've been doing CrossFit since 2017. So I changed my physical, mental everything, my diet activity. And so I added meditation. I added the physical activity. I started the whole 30 diet. I did vegan for a while. Um, and now I'm at a point where I'm just counting macros and eating the whole 30. And it's just amazing. 
in the, the mental diet. I did all of those really in 2017. And it's just kind of been steps and building momentum and learning along the way, connecting with more people. And this June, I found this program called 75 Hard by Andy Frisella. He owns First Form, which is a supplement company. And it is two workouts a day, two 45-minute workouts, which at first I couldn't do. I only did 20-minute. I called it 75 Adapt. Um, so you have two workouts a day. One of them has to be outside. You pick a diet, stick to it. You drink a gallon of water a day, which for my bladder issues, I only do half a gallon. You read 10 pages of educational or motivational content. So something that's going to better you, a developmental content a day. And then you take a progress picture. And I really, I implemented that into my life kind of half-assed in June. And then I got to August and I stuck with it. And I stuck with it for three weeks straight. And then the picture got me. And I'm still sticking with it except for the progress picture. And the results have been unreal. Not only my physical side of it, but just in my business life, my personal life, my overall mental well-being. The whole entire program has just helped me transform. And now I'm actually to 40 40-minute workouts a day. So it's just in that short time, it's progressed. Watching my body change, watching my body get stronger. I was a T4 paraplegic, which means I was paralyzed from the middle of my chest down. And if you look at my social media, I'm starting to get abs. I was considered a complete injury. I wasn't supposed to get anything back. Uh, About a year after my diet changed to 2018 into 2019, I regained some bowel control. So I'm actually able to push my bowel on my own. I've regained core control. I can crawl. I've been able to stand. I've been able to pull my pants up and stand. Like the improvement, it's not even about recovering at this point but it's about improving my quality of life and making my life a little easier so I can do more things, so I can work harder towards my goals. People don't realize that because of my disability, I already lose an hour and a half at least of my day. So it's very important that I'm methodical with the way that I spend the rest of it. So I actually schedule my day. I wake up between four and five every single day, go to work. I work part-time for a fitness clothing company, and then I do my homework. I also, in the meantime, I'm texting back and forth with my uh, assistant, which she's my right hand. Her name's Jackie. She's amazing, runs my social media for everything. And so I'm texting back and forth with her. We're running the business. Then after school, I do things for my business. I do a workout in the morning and a workout at night. And it's like, you have to be organized when you have as many moving parts in your life. And when you want as much as I, I personally do out of life, you have to be methodical about the way you spend your time, about the the way you spend your thoughts, how you're living as a whole, your habits. And that gets so lost in our day to day. We get so caught up thinking that we're stuck in certain situations when in reality, it's just a a flip of a mind switch, a change in a habit. And then we can get right back on the path that we wanted to be on in the first place. My question is, you put a lot of information out there really quick. My question is, do you believe that the diet and the mental change brought on the physical growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. The food we intake helped dictate what our body's going to do. And our mental standpoint puts us in in a different position also. If... I'm challenging you to put this to the test. So when you eat certain foods, wait about 30 minutes and see how you feel. Like if you feel different, tired, groggy, 
you're in a little bit more pain. So I started paying very, very close attention to how what I ate affected my body. So I found that gluten causes constipation in high quantity. So if I have a big plate of pasta, if I have a whole sandwich with two slices of bread, it really, it causes constipation. And then if I have dairy, it causes nerve pain, which is a burning pain in my lower extremities below my injury level. And so I, I take very low intake to none of these two things, and it completely transformed the way I feel overall. But then I started really focusing on not having the foods that we have with all the growth hormones in it and all the crap. You know, you know how processed our food is. So I created a budget, and I budgeted myself the money to buy organic food because I'm like, I, I have to fuel my body well or it's not going to function the way I want it. And so I budgeted, I buy the organic food, I eat whole foods, I eat well, um, I, I supplement with protein. So I was having shoulder issues, come to find out when I started counting my macros, I wasn't getting near enough protein for the activity that I do. I've upped my protein a month now, shoulder issues are almost gone. That's incredible. So it's like, we have to pay attention to the what. Yeah, what we feel our body with truly does have an effect on how our body performs, how we feel, our overall health. Like I, I'm trying so hard to get my parents to see this because you know my mom's. I'm tired. I'm tired. My dad has diabetes. And I'm like, we could we could literally take control back of our life. You guys, you don't understand. I'm supposed to be paralyzed forever. I have full sensation in my legs. I feel hot and cold. I get in the shower. I feel the warm water. I go outside and it's cold. I feel the cold on my legs. Like, I didn't have that four years ago or a year ago, never mind, you know, five, six, when is I first that, got paralyzed. Is that, do the medical people have anything to give you information wise? Uh, so the last time I saw my neurologist was two years ago and he just, he couldn't believe that I was able to contract my thigh. Um, and it, at, then it was just a flicker. Now it's almost a visible movement. When I actually press and contract, you can kind of see a slight movement in my quad, which I think is, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And I really, I'm just so passionate about helping others. Like I said, even if I don't walk again, just how much my strength has improved my quality of life. Now, if I could just give that to someone else, you know, just improve your quality of life. It's not about, Oh, I have to walk. I have to walk. I don't really care about that. I would like my bladder back. Yes. But Walking's the last thing on my radar. I really just want to be as healthy and happy as possible. And that's what my main focus is. The one thing that I can't get over is how open you are about talking, about all the little nuances, the things that nobody ever says. Talking about your bladder, talking about the other functions. And, and you know, because that's not what we talk about in everyday life, right? <laughs> Oh, in my everyday life, I'm so open. I let everyone know when I have to go to the bathroom because it does take me a little longer and I don't want people to worry. And then I, I feel like I have to be open about the bowel bladder side because it's always about walking again. It's always about like this next recovery thing. And like, I really could give a shit less walking. That's the last thing on my radar. Let me have my bladder. I want to wear panties, man. I'm 28. I'm looking good. I want to, you know, I want to feel sexy again. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that this injury took away in the beginning was my ability to feel like a sexy woman. 
And so my coping mechanism was to be open, is to be open about the things that don't make me feel sexy because it is something that I struggle with. And the able-bodied community, they don't see the inside workings of what's going on. They see the wheelchair and it's like, oh, wow, you're too pretty to be in that or you're too young to be in that. But it's like, man, what about my diaper? <laughs> like, what about these catheters I have to use? Am I not too young and too pretty to use these things? Like, am I not too young and too pretty to pee myself? And so it's just bringing that awareness to the other struggles that come with this. Your, your positive attitude and the way that you handle all that makes it a non-issue. You know what I mean? So yeah. the way you're bringing it across to me, okay, great. We can talk about these things. We can be open and there's, there's no subject and you're allowing that. that. That is amazing for the people that interact with you. They have to love that because we can talk. I don't have to worry about saying anything. If, if I'm going somewhere that you don't want to go, you're just going to change the direction of the conversation and we'll talk about whatever we need to talk about in, in your words and it's okay. And I love that. So I am really appreciating the way that you're putting me at ease and in, in the ability for me to ask you questions. So I appreciate that. I think as a kid, I was traumatized when I was in the fourth grade, the popular girl, I was like, I, I've always been open, I guess, about my bathroom stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to poop. And I was in fourth grade and this popular girl went back and told everybody that I had to poop and it was traumatizing. So now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be open about it. I think it's important. The biggest thing that stops us from being open about our struggles, being open about anything in our life really is this fear of judgment from others because we let others' judgments and opinions of us run our life so much. And there just, there came a point where I was fed up with it. It's like, you know what? I don't give a shit what people think about me. This is who I am. If you don't like it, that's on you. It's not going to affect me because I'm living my life and you're living yours. It's that saying, uh, stay in your lane. That's kind of what I do. You know, I offer my opinion or my advice when asked, but other than that, I just stay in my lane. It's not my place, not my monkeys, not my circus. I've got my own going on here. I've got to handle it. <laughs> you handle your own business, right? <laughs> exactly. You mentioned earlier in our conversation about you also had a head injury. Yeah. What, yeah. What, head injury. what was the residual effect of that? Uh, <laughs> my openness. <laughs> I literally, it's so bad. I say sometimes I'm, I'm getting a lot better at managing it, but there's still times I say things that are so off the wall and you're just like, what? Um, or I say exactly what I'm thinking without thinking about how it's going to hurt somebody. And it's just like, why are you, if I don't agree with something, I just, it, sometimes it just blurts right out. And then I hurt people that way. Um, and memory. I really struggle with short-term memory. Really? Well, mm -hmm. has that improved with the change of diet? I, you know, that's improved with the, the mental work. So I meditate and I visualize a lot. And I think staying in line with what I'm working towards, uh, where I want to be, what I have going on, that's really helped. And then quieting every, with everything I have going on, quieting my mind, uh, Without meditation, I, I kind of get really antsy and high anxiety for sure. So my therapy 
per se, is building new machines. <laughs> when I'm stressed or when I'm having issues in life, building a new machine and just spending the day or days in a row putting a new machine together or even an old machine that needs to be refurbished, um, that sets my mind at ease because I get to focus on all the things in my life that are upsetting me or causing me grief. And I get to change those in my mind. I get to work them out, work out the issues and then move forward and accomplish something that I really enjoy to do at the same time. Tinkering. <laughs> well, you could call it tinkering, but it's actually, it's, it's, it's my living. And, and, um, I, love it. I, I get this from my father. My father is a, a huge tinker. He has, 200 projects in the garage and works on all of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's never, he's 85 years old and he's never not working on something. Um, so it, it, we have a little bit of, uh, of self-motivation. Uh, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, uh, prostate cancer when he was 79 years old. And he looked at my brother and I during the whole process of this and goes, Hey, I want to buy this CNC home mill. <laughs> okay, dad. Great. No problem. And, and I started, we started asking him questions and, and he goes, yeah, I don't even know how to work it. And he's been a self-taught machinist his whole life, conventional machines. And, um, he goes out and runs this CNC mill and made the adapter pieces to make it a CNC lathe at the same time, did all this stuff himself, went to college classes, read the books, did the YouTube videos. And, you know, a man in his eighties doing that, I'm embarrassed to say that I can't turn this, I can't turn the machine on. <laughs> and he's making these parts and, and, uh, I go out in the shop and work with him, but it's pretty amazing that when you put your mind to it, you can do anything, anything, anything. That's so true. And we get, you know, in the beginning is the hardest part in getting into the habit. I mean, it's taken me, I started in 2017 and I'm three years, over three years now. And I'm just now getting to a point where I feel like I'm a mental ninja and I can handle anything that comes my way. But it's been consistent practice to get to this point. And we just, we live in this world of instant results. We have to have it right now. And we often don't want to put the work in. It's not an easy road, but it's completely worth it because when you get to this point, literally anything could happen. And I just, I feel like I can address it, adjust and move forward. Well, one of the problems I had is my dad is a very meticulous, methodical, you know, he's not a very organized guy with his tools, but for the most part, he's a perfectionist. So I'm kind of a perfectionist when I'm building, but my grandfather was a get it done guy. Just get it done. And I have a lot of that trait, get it done. And I have to step back and go step by step. Instead of trying to do one through 10 at the same time, you got to do one first and then you got to do two. Yeah. And, and that's some of my struggles, you know, when I work on things or when I run my life is you have to step back and, and do it one, one thing at a time and do it well and, and keep going. I completely agree. Yes. That's, we get, we want to be at 10 and it's like, wait, what about one to nine? 
And you, yes, you have to, it, it's just like in your personal relationships, you have to do the work to keep them positive. My wife and I both work an extremely large amount of hours and we have to take those few moments that we get and stop and make sure we give a hug and a kiss and a, you know, or send a text or make a phone call. Uh, because when I'm at work 12 or 15 hours a day, or she's at work 12 or 15 hours a day, um, and this is almost an everyday thing. It's not, we're not, we're not five day work people, work people. We're seven day work people. And so you have to take those times to nurture the relationships and to nurture your own mind, to stay focused and positive on what you're thinking about. Uh, no matter what you do, you have to reach down inside and make these things happen nobody's going to do it. That's, that's the thing. People, people want someone to do it for them. And it's like, wait, wait, no, no. Cause I looked around, I think it was, you know, a month into my hospital stay. And that's when kind of people stop messaging, stop coming around. And that's when you really realize, wow, I'm on my own in this, you know, people don't care forever. It's old news. So I have to own up and I have to do it. And it's just taking accountability and responsibility for yourself and your own life. Because regardless of if you choose to act or not, the entire world around you is going to keep moving. So you could choose to participate or you could choose to sit on the sidelines. And I just, I didn't, I'm not here to sit on the sidelines. I'm here to lead the way and make a difference and live life to the fullest. If I could ask this question. Did did you ever did you ever park? Did you ever pull to the side and say, "I don't want to do this"? Uh, COVID did that for me. So we got the end of May. I really it started affecting me because I went from literally from the time I got out of the hospital that weekend, I was at a GNCC and a side by side riding passenger. Like I've been nonstop since I got out of the hospital. So we're talking over five years and then COVID hits and I'm no longer traveling at all. So we got to the end of May. So two months in, and I started getting really dark really quick because I started thinking about who I was before I was paralyzed and really letting go and addressing this regret I had for how I lived my life up until I got paralyzed. And then making me addressing the traits that I wanted to change within myself. And then I had a family member, uh, commit suicide. And so it was just one thing after another and it got, it got pretty dark there really fast. And I I stopped working out. I stopped doing everything that I was doing and I just kind of stayed in bed for a little bit. And then I got sick in July. I got a really bad UTI because I just wasn't taking care of myself, wasn't drinking enough water. And I had a fever and I thought I had COVID at one point. And then I'm like, wow, I need to like, if it got bad quick, <laughs> and so I again took responsibility. Long, yeah, no, it didn't. It literally took a month and a half, and I was like the sickest I had been since getting out of the hospital, essentially. And I'm like, okay, girl, you gotta you gotta pull your shit together. And it's just having that self-awareness of, okay, I'm not doing the things I need to be doing, I'm not where I need to be, I'm not making the right actions what can I do to change this? How can I change this? And it's changing one little thing at a time. So every day I would do a little bit more of my routine, a little bit more of my routine. And now I'm back in it hundred percent. 
So let me put this, let me put this out there for you. I don't think that your should, you should even think of ever limiting yourself to just helping people that have disabilities, your motivational skills and motivational thought process should be put out there for the world. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. My personal, so I'm in school right now. I was working on a P my ultimate goal is a PhD. I'm applying to, for my undergrad this fall. I finished my associates this fall too. Um, I would like to get a PhD in psychology because I want to do clinical studies on the power of our physical activity, mental activity, physical diet, mental diet in relation to disease, healing our body, the way that our body functions. And I would like to do long-term studies on it to see how much this truly controls. Um, I have so many, I, I really, I took politics this semester and I'm considering going into politics one day uh, just because I have a whole idea for a Don't welfare reform system. Don't do I, I mean, I've, I, I love it. I, I'm, I honestly love politics. I love policy. I, I love improving our society. I think that society as a whole has not been set up for success. We've kind of been set up for the reliance. We rely on others or we feel entitled and it's getting worse and worse. And I'd like to try and reverse that. I want to lead the way. <laughs> well, my theory on saving the planet and saving society is let's make better humans. <laughs> exactly. So let's, let's take each small human and make them a better human. And one of my goals in life, and a lot of people that know me know this, is is your evolution. Your evolution as a as a man. My evolution as a man is is I've done some things and and been the guy that that you look at and go, I don't want to be that guy. Um, I had a great role model in my father, who has been married to my mother um, almost sixty years, and he's a tremendous a trans, tremendous inspiration in my life. I think I get my fight and, and, and drive from my mother, but if I would have listened to my father and, and watched the example, I would have been a better man from the start and I wouldn't have to be fighting so hard to be a better man now. And, and the, my wife, um, my wife, Teresa, well, Terry, cause if I call her Teresa, she might get mad at me. Um, <laughs> she gets the better me. She gets the man that strives to be a better person. And, and trust me, that's a fight when you have old demons and you have old darkness and you have old ways of doing things, you have to step back and you have to be that better person. Even when you don't want to be, even when you're angry or even when you've lost a little focus, um, you have to reach back and, and go, no, 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 that's going the wrong direction. This is the direction I want to go. And, and it sounds to me like you've come into terms with some of those demons and are, and are straightening them out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that mindfulness over, this is not who I am. This is an old habit. Uh, and not falling back into that pattern. And, you know, it's old habits love to come back. They love to try and rise back up. And it's the mindfulness, 100%, the mindfulness over our actions, the way we treat ourselves. I try not to say anything bad about myself. Uh, if I wouldn't want someone else to say it to me, I, it's not okay for me to say it to me. Because if I make it okay for me to say it to me, then I'm making it okay for everyone else to say it to me. 
And it's like, we have to treat ourselves the way that we would want to be treated. And that's forgotten too. We worry about how we're treating others, but what about how you treat you? And it's, it's really an inside job. No one's going to do it for you. And you have to take the accountability and say, okay, this is not the way I want to live my life. And don't even focus on the big picture. It's just one little thing at a time. That that's what we always forget. You got to do step one before you can do step two, right? Exactly. And it's the same. It's life building. It's all the same thing. And I try to teach my children now that, you know, stop worrying about this big picture that you're looking at. You can, you know, there's a couple movies and there's, there's uh, sayings and I like, uh, I'm very uh, a fan of the military and I have a lot of friends that are in the military. And when they tell you, I'm not here to save the world, I'm here to save my family, my son or my daughter. And so they keep it in perspective. They shrink it down so that your goal is not so large that it's overwhelming. You know, everybody has goals and everybody has to work forward towards them. But you got to do it in small increments because if you try to take that big swipe, you're going to get discouraged and not move forward. Exactly. I just, I live each day of, if I can impact one person, we've made a difference. It's, it's just that one, that one connection that you make could make a world of difference in that person's life. And if you're, if you're helping one person, then you're doing what you need to do. That's what we are meant to do as human beings. And that's lost too, because it's one for all or one for one and all for me type of world where it's, I have to do this solely for me. I'm not helping anyone else selfish type of mindset when in reality we're here to help one another we're here to lift one another up through dark times we're here to be human to human and that's so lost especially during this covid time because you know you have the masks social distancing can't be near other humans and it's like no we we need that that's what we strive for as people i don't care if you're an introvert you still need that connection every now and then and so just live each day to try and be a better version of you and to lift others up. You live, uh, yes, I agree with all of that. Uh, <laughs> you live on the East Coast? Yes, yes, I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I got to ask these weird questions. Weather, how does does the extreme weather changes affect you? It's actually not bad. I mean, it's weird. Like, I don't do well with cold at all. So I often in the winter, I go visit my best friend in uh, Phoenix or I go to Florida. Uh, but it's honestly, it was like 80 yesterday, 75, 80. And so I love North Carolina. I grew up in Northeastern Ohio, so it's not as bad as where I grew up. (laughs) Okay. So you don't get a lot of snow, so you don't have to struggle with it. Yeah. We, if we get snow, we get it once a year. If that, I don't even think it snowed last year at all. That's well, I was wondering if that affected you that much because. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it makes it makes the whole world even harder right oh i once got stuck in the snow it was a bad time (laughs) (laughs) me in my wheelchair just trying to get through (laughs) and 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 that was just out in public no that was at home (laughs) really yeah i was trying to go on the um so the way our house is set up the whole basement was actually set up for a wheelchair user. I just had to put a lift and a ramp in. So we have a ramp in the garage and a lift in the back. And so I have to go in through the house, out the back deck, 
onto the lift down and then into the basement. And I got stuck on the back deck. <laughs> Were you by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So I just like used the railing to kind of lift my wheels and pull myself to the lift and then hope for the best. <laughs> you fi- you figured it out all on your own. You don't have a choice. That's well, that's the fighting spirit. I love, I love that. I mean, you, you seem like a, a true fighter. Um, when you raced, what was your intensity level that? Because you're so intense in your life now. Were you that intense when you raced before? I wish, man, I really do. I will say I was the first female to UTV podium in the GNCC series, which was cool because so the first youth ATV female to podium. And so to get both of those in that series was super cool for me. Um, but I wish that I had, so between GNCC and now I was on the national developmental team for wheelchair curling. So my last year of racing all the way up until the February of this year, I was on that team and it really taught me in the last year and a half, so many mental skills just that you can apply to everyday life that I wish I knew when I was racing. Cause I feel like I could have performed way better. Um, the mental aspect, again, it's just never talked about enough and it really, there's something to it. There's, there's something to that just mental grit of being able to deflect every outside circumstance that's coming at you, every outside obstacle that's face that you're facing and just be able to shut it all out and just focus on the task at hand. There's so much power in that. I wish that I, I, I would love to get back in a car and really test it, test yeah. how much I've, how far I've come. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, you look at inspirational athletes like Michael Jordan and, and Tiger Woods, they had to be mentally so tough that it's incredible to do the things that they did uh, and accomplish the accomplishments. I mean, granted, I think that when they got closer to retirement or the end of their career, they may have lost some of that drive or some of that ability to just stay focused. Um, Like most people, you get a little success, you get a little soft and you don't, you don't fight as hard for it. You know, that's what it is a full-time job. It is. I mean, and that's people don't realize it's sticking to that schedule for me personally is, is number one, because if I don't, then I'm out of my routine, then I'm out of my mental groove. And it, that when you get out of your mental groove, that's trying to get back into it is kind of, that's where the difficulty lies. And that's where a lot of people fall off is because they can't figure it out or they're not willing to put that effort and continue towards it. Do you, change your routine so that it it helps you adapt mentally? Because I know if you do the same thing all the time, you just get stuck in a rut kind of. Yeah. Every day, uh, depending on what I have going on every day is different. So, I mean, my days, it's just structured the same. So I just have structure and that is, I think that is the most important thing in my life is structure. Like I'm, I kind of, um, not that I dislike traveling, but I, I kind of dislike traveling because now I'm so focused on my goals and where I want to be that I don't want to deter from it. I don't, so for, I, I kind of have to force myself to take time off because I really, I just want it so bad. 
Okay. <laughs> I get that. But you do have to have that mental break. You do have to have that, that physical break sometimes to get yourself, your, your batteries recharged and energized and focused so that you're heading back into it and you're able to keep the same level of intensity. Right. Right. I mean, I typically, I take a day or so and it, it just depends where I'm at mentally on what I do. Um, there, like, there's highs and lows, life's peaks and valleys. And so I ride the highs when they're high. And when the lows come, I, I dig my head deeper and I, I try and figure out ways out of it until I'm back on my way to that peak. <laughs> well, in your life and you'll, you'll, everybody figures out their pattern. There's throughout the year, you have the the portion of your life that goes really smooth and awesome and everything works out. And then you have the portion of the year that it's not, that's not working, you know, something's different. And the harder you fight through that, the better you'll do when times are good. It, it's just like my brother always said, you know, never get too high and never get too happy about a win and never get too low about a loss. And, and I agree with that to a point, but we got to take those wins and you have to cherish them and relish them and, and, and get excited about them for the moment. That doesn't mean that the next day that you're still patting yourself on the back. Uh, that means that the next day you go back to work and work harder because it's harder to win the next time. Well, the way I celebrate my wins. So I do this thing. Um, I don't know the person who actually created it but I write my tasks down on a note card. And as I finish them, I cut them out. I put them in a jar at the end of each month. I count how many tasks are in that jar. Uh, if it's over a certain number, I reward myself. So at the beginning of the year, my number was 50 and then COVID hit and I started hitting that. So I upped it to 80. Um, and yeah, I had to up it to a hundred because I'm just getting, I'm getting so much done. And that, that is a good way when I'm going back through the month and seeing everything that I got done because I'm writing what I did down on a little piece of paper. So as I'm counting, I'm reviewing it. That's what does it for me. Reviewing the steps it took there, seeing what didn't work, what did work. So that way we're not creating the same mistakes. We're not doing the same path. We're figuring out different things. We're continuing what works. And that, that has been an absolute game changer for me. And now it's just turned into a game. Like same thing on my, I feel like every aspect of my life, I continue to level up and I'm like, all right, what can I level up again? Can I level up again? And that's with my fitness, with my business, with my nonprofit, with my education. I mean, I, I was taking four classes at the beginning of the semester. I had two of them were short sessions. So two of them just dropped off, which means I literally had an assignment due every single day on top of everything else I do. And because of my time management, I finished American politics with a 89, which is an A, and then I finished world geography with an A. And I'm in microeconomics, still in myth and human culture, making an A in both of that. I've raised my GPA from when I started my education because I, I was in school before I was paralyzed, flunked out. So my GPA was a 1.8 in January of 2019 and at the beginning of the semester, it was raised to a 3.5. Like I'm, I'm doing it. I'm putting the work in and that's rewarding in itself. Seeing, seeing your work pay off. That's what you need to, re you need to review the work, the effort that it took and, and celebrate that celebrate that you are actually putting this in. If you consider yourself a procrastinator all that time, I think it's Will Smith that says there's no such thing as, or it's either Kobe Bryant or Will Smith. No such thing as procrastination. It's just things that you don't want to do. 
(laughs) (laughs) And, and, and it's so true, but you have to, it's doing those things that you want to do and that you don't want to do to get you to where you want to be. That's just the way life works. And if you celebrate the fact that you got through those things that you didn't want to do in the first place, ah, it's like, you just, you have so much reward from it. And and that feeling, that's what's going to carry you. That's what's going to build your momentum to get you further to where you want to be. That's true. So let me ask you this. If you could reach out to the youth in the racing world, what are the things that you would tell them to focus on the most? Yourself. Uh, don't, don't focus on what any other racer is doing, what any other competitions doing, what your friends are doing. You have to focus on you and where you want to be. And if you want a championship, then you're going to have to do what champions do. Champions train, not only physically, mentally, they eat well, they don't party, they don't do drugs. Like that's the thing that people don't realize is there's a lot more to being a champion than just saying, I'm going to be a champion. You have to put the effort in and put the work in. And that's where I messed up when I was racing. I didn't put the extra effort and work in. I just solely relied on my talent as a racer. And that only carries you so far. So you have to be willing to let go of everyone else's judgment of who you are and solely focus on you and where you want to be. So talent's not the talent's not the hundred percent answer, huh? No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, ask, ask Caleb Russell, ask Walker Fowler. They'll tell you, I'm sure. Well, I didn't. I don't believe that I was born a mechanic. I believe that I have been taught and taught myself, and had great teachers along the way. And spending the hours and hours and hours in the garage working on things and breaking them and not doing it correctly. <laughs> And having to go back to the manual or go back to the to the teacher and and ask for the lesson again, um, that's what gets you. Self sacrifice is what puts you on top of the world, and it really is. It, yeah, you have to sacrifice something to to learn something, you know. And most of it's time. Most of the time, it is time. How do you want to spend your time? And it's like, and this is for everybody, you know. Pay attention to how much time you spend on social media. I started setting timers on my, because I have an iPhone. So it allows you to set like a child lockout where you have to choose if you want to go into the app and say how long. Um, So having that timer of how long I can spend social media has been a game changer and making me realize how much I'm on social media. Just try and pay attention to how often you open your phone and click in your messages or click on Facebook or click on Instagram. And it's like, you're spending your time looking at other people's lives when you could be spending that time focusing on your life. And so it's time to take control back, take your life back, take, figure out what it is that you want and then get yourself there hold yourself accountable, hold yourself to a higher standard of being a human being and getting to where you want to be. Stop, stop living in the confines of your limitations. Our mind is uncomfortable when we get out of our comfort zone That's why it's called a comfort zone. But the more you push out of that, the more growth you have and the more you learn and truly get to live life rather than exist. Exactly. I totally agree with that. As you get older, you'll get more and more comfort with your comfort zone and you have to force yourself. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of social media, but it's social media is, I have a business in social media and it's a little crazy uh, for me. (laughs) I have a great team behind me that, that helps me and, uh, my daughter's uh, 
Valeria and Paula and my son, Danny helps out. Um, and, and we, they're teaching me about social media and they're teaching yeah. me the, like the behind the scenes, how to, how to make a post, how to run ads. And if you've seen any of my social media, it's probably not very good because I do the Facebook and they handle the Instagram and the boosting and the ads and all that. Um, fortunately, uh, because I, I, I just don't know how to do it. And I don't, and, and I don't have time. I'm working a full-time job and, and trying to build machines and develop a, a, a program for next year. And that's crazy. It's all, it's all full-time. It's a learning process, really. I mean, it's social media takes up because it's not only the posting or the boosting, it's creating the content. Oh. <laughs> you know, that takes time too. having content to constantly put out. And if you don't put it out, you know, you lose followers or you lose engagement and the algorithm. And it's like, there's just so much that goes into it. It's a full-time job in its own. So it's just, it's so hard, especially when you have a business not to get caught up in that because it's like, well, how do I get this to do better? How do I use it? Cause social media is a free advertising tool as well. Right. And, and when you, and when you learn how to boost or you learn how to use the, the, uh, the pay portion of the advertising, um, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I look at the, the, the growth in, in ATV talk because we are very small and we are very young. Uh, and I shouldn't say we're small, but we're young. I mean, we're barely over. Uh, I think we're going into the 110 days or something like that very soon. So we're still, we're still in infancy and the growth is so incredible. And uh, the responses that I'm getting for the content that we're putting out because nobody's telling the story. None, nobody is. I mean, there's no stories being told. Um, there's people that are talking to other people in the industry and they might be putting out information about how to build this or how to do that, but they're not sitting down with the men and women that built this industry or have something to put back in this industry. And that's what, that's what this is all about. You know, if I could take my name and face off of it, I would and just tell the story. But unfortunately that's how i feel about wheel with me foundation i just want to like can i take my face off and my name and it just be just be its own organization without me i feel that <laughs> but it can't and that's the thing that i I'm, know i'm coming to terms with that that no i'm the one that that, that that chose to do this it's my portal and unfortunately you have to be the one that puts it out there you know. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you giving us a platform to share our experience, even outside of the racing world of like, this is, you know, my day-to-day -day life, but racing definitely consumed us. I, as a kid, I'll never forget 2005, 2006, we raced every single weekend, literally from the beginning of February to the end of November because between locals and GNCC on the youth quads, my parents were just weekend warriors and they, they made it happen for me. And I'm very fortunate that I got to experience racing off-road that I got to experience being a part of the GNCC family and, and making lifelong friends. I mean, I'm still one of my closest friends, Cheyenne Shadron. She also grew up racing youth quads and into the uh, women's class. And she was the first to actually overall first woman to overall in the youth. 
And so her and I have been best friends literally since we were kids. And now she lives in North Carolina. And so I get to see her and I still have these relationships all from this racing family. And there's just so much power in that. I think that some of my best friends and some of the people I enjoy the most in the world are my racing family. Because when I started traveling all the time, the, 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 the group of friends that I had local at home kind of took their lives all went a different direction than mine. Mm -hmm. I started traveling all over the world and working a full-time job. And it, it, my job was the the, the travel. Um, and you just lose, you just lose some of those things in your local life. And, um, this is the first year in 30 years that I haven't traveled. So it's a whole new thing for me. I get it. I mean, it hasn't been that long for me. I mean, I've only been traveling the five years I've been paralyzed, but I get it. It's weird. You go from being gone, you know, basically all week long to being home for months. <laughs> I, work, I work, you know, the Monday through Friday and then Saturday, Sundays, we'd be racing somewhere or I, or I would leave, uh, you know, Friday morning or Thursday night and come home, you know, just in enough time to go back to work on Monday. And you don't, you don't realize that there's the things that you're missing at home. You know, I do things at home with my wife that, wow, this is, this is what it's really like. This is what you really do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from carrying the basket down to the laundry room to taking out the trash, it, it's pretty amazing. The, the things that you take for granted in life that you don't realize go on. So I'm, I am, I mean, I get that from a different standpoint too, but <laughs> you take so much for granted. It's crazy. And I, you know, I realized it when I got paralyzed and I feel like people that have been through diversity adjusted to COVID better than people who haven't. Like I've noticed the disabled community hasn't really been complaining much about COVID, but I've been seeing a lot of my fellow wheelchair users just rising to the occasion. They're really using this time to to level up in their personal life, their business, their growth. And it's it's been really beautiful to watch. I, I feel like personally COVID's just been an opportunity. I had, you know, that month and a half dark spiral and I was able to pull myself out of it. And that was mainly because I was addressing things I just never stopped to address. Uh, but it, I, I've never actually been down down about COVID itself. Uh, more just the wearing the mask because my face keeps breaking out, which is a super selfish thing or whatever. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm over it. I'm just I'm ready for life to go back to normal. I am I am not ready to start traveling yet, but I would like to obviously. But I'm not ready um, to get back. So whenever that happens, it happens. But I just this has been an opportunity. This has been an opportunity to really grow and develop and and hone in what I really truly where I want to go with everything in my life. And I think it's, it's been a really beautiful time for me. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that there's a positive story coming out of COVID. I mean, <laughs> in the off-road business, if, if you're still affiliated with a lot of more, we're busier than we've ever been. Uh, you know, we can't keep parts on the shelf. We can't, uh, we can't get componentry in, in time. Uh, a lot of the vendors are struggling as we are to supply and people are just buying and buying and buying because they want to go ride because that's all there is to do. It, it, it's pretty awesome. Maybe when this airs, uh, it, it, 
you know, the COVID thing may be gone or the, you know, it'll probably come out after the election. So some of the things that we're talking about may be uh, different at that point for society, but it will be able to reflect back on what it was like at that given time. Um, how can people reach you? Oh yeah. So people can follow uh, me personally. It's J E S I S T R A. C-H-A-M on all social media platforms. That's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, you can find me jessiestrawham.com. I have a small fitness clothing line on there, a store. Um, I also have merch for Wheel With Me Foundation on there. You can find Wheel With Me Foundation at Wheel With Me or with the hashtag Wheel With Me uh, and then wheelwithmefoundation.org. Also, we uh, recently partnered with this app called Proposity. And the goal of Proposity is for you to find local organizations that are doing things. And if you want to donate, you know, five, $10 a month to an organization, this app gives you that option. Uh, we need 600 followers on this app. And then we can actually start granting individuals padded shower chairs and extended shower heads, which are not covered by insurance when you're injured. And, you know, we have so much to worry about in that initial injury. So we really just want to take it away, take away one less thing to have to worry about when you get home. So it's purposity, uh, purpose, it, so per P U R P O S I T Y and wheel with me foundation. Just you search the organization on the app, give us a follow. And it really, it helps us to be able to grow a little more. That's awesome. That's outstanding. Young lady, I would like to say thank you very much for taking your time out and telling us your story. I know that we could probably talk for another two or three hours, but unfortunately in the way the timeline works for ATV Talk, I try to limit it. I would also like to extend the invitation that in the future, if we could reach back out and have a, a, another conversation about your foundation and how you're doing and let everybody know that, that you're still growing and striving. Um, I would also recommend highly that you put more information out about uh, the diet and the change and the way that you're doing those things. And because I believe in my heart that that's true. When I get away from the good foods, I gain weight, I get grumpy, I don't work as well. And, and, and it's harder as I get older so I 100% understand it. I thank you so much for having me. I definitely, uh, I, I definitely would want to come back a hundred percent and I am going to work on putting more information out about that. I just, it's so important to me. So you're right. I should definitely share that more and help people see, Hey, we actually have a little bit of control of how we feel. <laughs> Exactly. And I don't think that there's enough. I don't believe that there's enough education in the nutrition that's correct. You know, there are athletes and people like you that find their way somewhat by experimenting an accident and then understanding to focus on how their body feels. And I don't think any of us do that. We get up, we drink our coffee, we throw our clothes on, we run out the door and we go to work. And there's no, there, there's no downtime to why am I tired? Why does my arm hurt? Why is this going on? Why do I have this injury? And, you know, whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, uh, you know, you can just see people suffering 
and, and they don't even know why they're suffering. That, that's a big misconception that people have is you have to be an athlete to take care of yourself, to work out, to eat well. No, you just, you should just do that. You should take care of yourself because you only get one body. And if you don't treat it with love now, I think about what I do now, how is that going to affect me 50 years from now? Because I plan on living a full life. So I have to set myself up for success in the long term. Well, if somebody had told me I'd still be here at 54 and I'd be in the condition I'm in, um, I probably would have argued with them, but <laughs> the damage that I've done by not taking the proper steps or not getting the help that I've needed, it directly affects me every day. You know, I get out of bed slower. I can't do certain things because I have, a, I have an injury that, that I never took care of. And now the solution is so drastic that I don't want to, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'll just learn, learn to adapt, but I want to thank you very much for coming on ATV Talk. You're very inspirational, and I'm so ecstatic with the conversation that we had. And I had no idea that you were elevating your game um, far beyond my expectations. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Well, John had wonderful things to say about you and told me a little bit, but he didn't prepare me for the level that you're achieving. And I want you to know from a man that's, that's worked his whole life and very hard, you are very inspirational and I will be um, addressing my mental health a little bit better to attack my game. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait to catch up and see how you're doing too. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I have been always. <laughs> so we all are. So, so don't hesitate. Please reach out to us. Please follow ATV talk. Um, if you have suggestions or that, you, yeah, I am um, in touch with me. You, you have my contact. I have yours and, and I would love to stay in contact so that we can further everyone's growth. Absolutely. I also, um, I have a friend, his name is Brandon. He's partnered on Proposity with me. He has an app called iAccess. He was actually paralyzed as a teenager racing motocross on a dirt bike. Um, would you want me to send his email over to you? Reach He's a super cool, super cool dude, like super driven, started an app from the ground up for accessibility. It's called iAccess. Okay. And uh, it's, it's literally the Yelp of accessibility. It's an incredible app. We rate and review and we're creating this database of accessible restaurants, businesses in our local communities. Reach out to him and, and see if he's interested. I'd love to talk to him. Perfect. Um, and you said that you review podcasts. Do what? You said you reviewed podcasts. Oh, I share podcast. I, so I share uh, every week on Mondays. I share like a motivational educate yourself podcast. So this goes, this will go out in, um, one of my newsletters, one of my weekly newsletters. Okay. Excellent. Um, so it goes out to all my contacts. Of course it goes on social media and everything, but I no, I do weekly, like I do weekly interviews or monthly interviews. So I do a podcast interview typically two a month. That's awesome. Just cause I think it's important. Like you should definitely look into other podcasts and be a guest on someone else's podcast to promote yours and have them as a guest on your podcast. And it's a good way to cross promote podcasts are the best way to grow your brand and develop your brand. I do social, social media is my jam. Like I became verified in two years. I have 
like a hundred thousand followers on TikTok, 35,000 on Instagram, and it's all organic growth. Like I've done it. That's grassroots style. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I really, what I really am suffering in because I've never been super into it. Uh, when Bob Sloan was racing, our company was into the cross country series much deeper. And we've had some affiliation with, with Matt Smiley and, and the page brothers and, and others, but I'm lacking GNCC individuals to get on the podcast. And, um, you just have to, to reach out. So, um, and, and I'm not getting the return from that community. Like I thought I would, um, you know, I I have contacts with Walker, uh, but he's, uh, but he's a busy guy. If you, um, have, I'm going to see something real quick. I think I have an idea for you. You might want to start with like your C riders. Um, let me see if this works. That's perfect. Okay. So if you go to GNC, have one of your kids go to GNCC's Instagram and click on their, go to their profile. And on the right side, it's tagged photos and scroll through and find people like your sea riders, your amateurs and share their, start with sharing their stories to get known within that community. Cause some of these pro guys like Adam McGill, you should reach out to Adam McGill. He's super rad. Um, Jared Adam, McClure. Adam knows who I am. <laughs> yeah. Reach, reach out to Adam. Obviously he's always a fun interview. Um, Jared McClure is a cool dude, kind of quiet, but super cool dude. Um, those are the pros, but my I would reach have, out to those. My guys have raced against them. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, um, they come into my world. I never get to go back into their world. Or, I mean, the structure of our business doesn't allow it uh, or financing with the teams. But when it comes to West Coast or international riding, you know, we've been, we've chewed the same dirt and been in the same places. Oh, Adam's, he's a great dude. But that's somebody that's willing to give back to the community. So I, I could see him doing it. But I would go through those tagged photos and the hashtag GNCC on Instagram and go through and get like, get a racer mom on there, get a racer mom's perspective. I think that would be so cool because like these youth moms, they go think about them, you know, they're going through some stuff when on race day between the emotions, getting ready all week long. And I think that they play a big role. Get the dads, the weekend warrior dads that are the mechanic on nights. Just, you know what that's like. Um, I think outreaching to the beyond the racer, get the family, bring everybody that's in that immediate circle into this podcast and get their perspective out there. Like, and then you're reaching not only the racers, but then you're reaching the family too. And it's just another way to be able to grow your platform, but use the hashtags and the tag photos and your advantage and start reaching out to those those A, B, C riders and the youth riders, because those are the ones that are going to help you build momentum in that, that entire series. Uh, because like I said, some of the pros do follow some of those riders. And so they'll see the podcast and they're like, Oh, you know, and then you could start reaching out to the pros again and be like, Hey, really want to start shining GNCC a little more. Like, do you have time for this? Want to help you grow your brand and also make it about them. You know, I want to help you reach an audience you wouldn't typically reach. It's also wording. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. 
experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.